Kids all gone? They're going to get ready to start working on the Christmas special. You guys ever been around? A lot of you have been around for the Christmas stuff they do here. These kids, sometimes it's amazing what they, well, all the time. It's amazing what they do for the Christmas show. I know they're going to start working on that pretty soon. So uh, I know they're going to need volunteers for that as well. We have a church full of kids, don't we? Um, I, have a, I actually have a joke for you this morning. I'm going to need a lot of good laughs now because there's only a few of you. It's about pregnant women because we've got five pregnant women in the church. Yeah. Uh, so the husband and wife, she's pregnant, they go to the doctor, and the doctor looks her over and checks her out, and he's got this stamp, and it's a real small stamp, and he stamps her stomach about right here, and it's, it's so small they can't read it at all. And uh, they said, well, what is it? And they said, well, just go home and you can look at it at home. And so they get home, and they, the husband gets out the magnifying glass, and he looks at it, and it, it's kind of hard to read. He puts a flashlight on it. It says, when you can read this, come back. When you can read this out the magnifying glass, come back and see me. That makes sense. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, we've got a little series we're going to start until the holidays here, maybe. It's called Mountaintops. And uh, I was reading some reading last night. And, and, and in our day, uh, at this time in history, in all of history at this time, the, the, the Christian religion, the church, is being more, is persecuted more right now than ever before in history. We read about the Romans and what they did to the Christians, but right now, this, this number right now is the time that the Christians are being more persecuted than any time in the, in the history of the church. Well, we live here and we're safe right here, so we don't see it, so it's kind of out of our mind. But uh, there's places all over, North Korea, Iraq, Syria, Saudi Arabia... Iran, all those places, especially North Korea, is the, North Korea is the, is the very worst. If you get caught with a Bible, North Korea, you can take, they can take your life. Uh, so we're at, a, we're at a time China is bad. China is getting worse. So we're at a time that, it's, that uh, our Christian faith is at an all-time danger zone. And so uh, what I've, I've prayed and prayed over this, and uh, it's called Mountaintops, and it's a Two different mountains that we're looking at. And what we're looking at, it's going to be a story about Daniel and Jonah. Everybody know about Daniel and Jonah? Well, hopefully the next few weeks, if you don't know a whole lot, we're going to dig deep into them and try to pull out some wonderful application for our own lives. We'll talk about that more later. But right now, when I go to work tomorrow morning, I will have to, oops, I will be putting on that hard hat. I'll be putting on this vest because we are nothing. I mean, everything we want to do in our life is safety. Isn't it? Everything you do, I mean, there's OSHA everywhere you go. Everything's about safety. So I, in tomorrow morning when I'm at work, this is what I'll do. Before I get out of my truck, I'll put it on, but put it on right. I'll put my hard hat on. I'll go in the job. I gotta, I'll put my safety glasses on, mainly because they're bifocals. And that, that's me. That's all day long. I try to take that off a lot, and then they'll come around, put your hard hat on. You have to put it back on. Uh, but that's, that's, that's where the particular job I'm on right now, it's work. It's all about safety. So we're geared towards safety in this, in this world. That's, everything's safe. Put your seat, what happened to me? Put your seatbelt on, do everything safe. But when it comes to our faith, it's not always safe. And so that's where we're, and I looked at that, and, and it's, you know, we want our faith to be safe, but it's not. It's not always safe. If you're in another part of the world right now, your faith is not safe. And so we got to 
this is, all this is coming towards us. It's coming toward the end times. So we've got to learn through the stories and through the histories of other people how their faith, what they did with their faith. And then we're to follow those faiths with the application that the way they did it. And so we're going to look at these guys. And there was a, let me get started here, but there, there's a story about, everybody know John Denver? I asked Brandon this morning if you knew John Denver. You know John Denver? You know John Denver? Raise your hand. You know, Rocky Mountain High, and what's the other one in West Virginia? See, I can't sing. Yeah, somebody probably knows that. But anyway, uh, there was an evangelist. His name's Bill Fay. I met the man. He, he was a, um, he worked for the mafia one time. He was a, a mob boss and a uh, big guy. And, but the Lord got a hold of him, and he turned into a, a great evangelist. And I'm going to read you a story in a second, but it's about John Denver. And the uh, reason I'm reading it to you is because in this life, faith ain't always safe. That's what I've tried to It's just not always safe. Sometimes you, go, you can go place in your faith. You can go to your work site. You can go to school. Your faith is not always safe. So we've got to learn how to, how to live in a society or in a world that our faith is not always safe. Because we are called to have faith, right? Now, we're, we're, one of the main things we're called to have is of obedience with that faith. And that's what we're looking at a little bit today is obedience with that faith. Just because sometimes my faith is not safe, that doesn't, give me, uh, that doesn't mean I, I don't have to use my faith. There's people all over the world that are just a mess because of it. Even so, we are called to be obedient no matter where our faith leads us. We are called to be obedient to that faith. This man named Bill Fay was at an airport, and he saw John Denver sitting there. And sometimes our faith, it's not what his faith was in such a life or death thing, but sometimes our faith is, we're scared to talk to people about Jesus. Y'all have fear of that at all? You just, you're like, well, I don't know what they, you know, especially friends, you're not sure where they're at. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. They may never talk to me again. I don't know. In the world we live in today, who knows what will happen? But aren't we called to still do what? Speak the gospel, right? We're called to do that. And it, and it takes us, and we know the word comfort zone. It takes us out of our comfort zone a lot. But John Denver was sitting in the airport. And Bill Fay saw him there. And I'm going to read this. So it'll be easier if I read it. And he walked up to him, and he says this. He says, I was in Fort Myers, Florida. And it says, one day in the frequent flyer room, I looked over and saw John Denver. It was pretty obvious with his distinct features and signature guitar that it was him. I went over and said, John. He jumped up, stuck out his hand, and said, I haven't seen you for in a while. I said, no, sir. We've never met. But I'm a man who's played who prayed for you over five years, and I have a message for you from your dad, from, from your father Dutch. And Dutch is, is passed on by now. He, was, he died. You see, years earlier, in the, in the height of my pagan lifestyle, John Denver's father was the co-pilot on a Leonard jet that was used for, my, for me around the country to do my illegal mob business. His father, whose hand I held when he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, made me promise that one day I would share with this to his son. I said, Dutch... If God provides the moment, the privilege is mine. Now, it looked like the moment was going to come. I met with John in a private room in the Denver airport for the better part of two hours. I took him line through the gospel of Jesus Christ. There wasn't a single verse in the scriptures he did not understand, nor was there a single verse in the scriptures that he would, that he would accept. I finally, I said, John, when did you make up your mind Jesus Christ would never be your Lord and Savior? 
He could remember the date, the time, and the place. A godly Sunday school teacher, like some of you, said to him, Jesus Christ was the way, the truth, and the life. I left with a saddened heart and tears in my eyes. I asked God, why did you go to all this trouble if John Denver was not going to accept you? And a verse in the scriptures came into my heart that looked evangel that took evangelism to another level for me. I hoped it will, will for you. It comes to, out of 2 Corinthians 2.16, and it says, To the one we are the smell of death, and to the other the fragrance of life. The word death in scripture means eternal separation from God. John Denver would later on, in a few years from that, die in an airplane crash, an experimental plane. And so we know where his eternity is. And the reason I read that is because in this country, maybe we're not, maybe we're not worried about being killed today or tomorrow about our faith, but we are to go out, and we are to step up. Now, I'm sure this man, I don't care if you're going to talk to, uh, to somebody like John Denver at, that at the time, it would be difficult to go up and say, hey, do you know who Jesus is? He had a way in with his dad, but it's still difficult. We have, but we are called to do those things. If we don't, who will? If you don't, who will? Aren't we the ones that are called to do that? And I'm an evangelist by heart. Most of you know that, and so this is always on my heart. We are called to do those tough things, no matter what our faith says, no matter what it looks like, no matter how scared we are, we're called to do that. Now, I was watching a movie the other night, and it was called, called, uh, it was called Falling in the Darkness. It's a Samaritan Purse movie. Anybody seen that? It's a documentary. It's about the Ebola that broke out over in Africa a few years ago. And the, the doctor and the nurse that they brought over here, they, and in that movie, the, the, the doctor said, faith ain't safe, and that's why I started thinking about this. They come over here, and there was no cure for Ebola. It's the most deadly disease around, I mean, or virus, whatever they call it, whatever it is. But they brought them over here, and the doctor and the nurse ended up being healed from that. The thing about it is, the doctor said that by faith, he was there in Africa doing the work that God called him to do. And with that same faith, he almost died. So our faith isn't always safe, but yet our faith is to be powerful for God. Does that make sense? We're very blessed to be in this country where we live, where our faith is pretty safe. But what if God calls you out somewhere else? Are you willing to do it? Are you willing just to go speak the gospel of Christ on his behalf? Let's pray. Lord, Father, as we come to open up this message, Father, we pray for this series. We pray, Father, that these two mountaintops as we look at the lives of Daniel and Jonah, that we can see where we're at. Who do we relate with? What's going on in our lives? That we are able to understand where you want us to go, what our faith should look like. Lord, we just ask you to bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. In Romans 1.5, it says, Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience. There's that word obedience to the faith along all nations for his name. So through him, through Jesus Christ, we have this power, right? Even though faith may look scary, it may look all kinds of things to you, but we have this power. We're called to be an apostle for that reason. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, 17, we're going to go over that verse 16 in a minute here. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. So stop right there. Thank God always leads us to be triumph. Now, when I, I've led people to the Lord, many, many, many people to the Lord. Not all of them, and some of them I'll do just like that man, like I read a minute ago. You'll spend hours with them, and maybe sometimes a, a, a months or years just over and over and over again with a relationship with them, and they finally just say, no, 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 no. And it breaks your heart. 
because I know what he, where he, I know eternity's coming. I really believe this. How many of you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe it? Then you got to believe that there's an eternity called darkness without God. It's called hell. It's, it's what it's called. It's not a good place. So I want people to know who Jesus Christ is. I want them to know. They've got to have the choice. And if we're not willing to give them the choice, you say, well, they'll get it somewhere else. Well, maybe God's given you that, that time to do that. I've led classes in this church to show people how to do different things to, to reach people for Christ. We need to be doing that. You need to be stretching out your faith. Be bold with it. It says in 15, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Now, I've got some pretty smelly stuff up here. I've got a candle we could light to be smelly. Now, you know, it's a fragrance. You put that on, boy, the, the women that just love you. The guys that hate you. It's a fragrance. We're, we have this aroma it says about us. The fragrance of Christ, I mean, it's the beauty of Christ. That's who we're supposed to be. That's who we are. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ, those who are being saved among, you, among those who are perishing. 16, it says again, to the one we are the aroma of death. Everybody read that. To the one we are the aroma of death. That means when we go up and talk to them, they may know that we, we believe something totally different than them. They understand that. They have got the opportunity right then to say yes or no. And whether it may be another time in their life, but we are to plant those seeds no matter what to the one with the aroma of death leading to death and leading to a, a life of total damnation for eternity because you have given them the, the one truth that we live by, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to the other aroma of life leading to life, leading to eternity of life. Isn't that great? You, you, you have that fragrance among you. You have that. You have that joy. We've got to get out. We've got to do these things. Believe it or not, people need you. You, you believe me? They need you. They need you in your workplace. They need you in the schools. They need you in the grocery stores. They need you. They need you. For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but of, as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak the sight of God in Christ. We speak the truth. We're the truth. We give out the word. Satan wants us to believe that faith is safe. Do you guys believe that? Satan, he'll, he'll want you to believe that your faith is safe. He doesn't he want you to, to, to believe me. He, he says, oh, your faith is great. It's all right. Just keep doing what you're doing, which is a lot of people is nothing. So he wants you to believe your faith is safe. But we got a, I got an issue with that because in Ephesians 6, 11, we have the armor of God, which I'm not going to preach on the armor of God much this morning. We have the armor of God, which is right here in front of you. Now, if, the, if your faith is safe, why did God give us the armor of God? It's because we need that as we go out because we're going to understand real quick, my faith is not always safe. It's in jeopardy. And I, I, as I look at these two mountains that I'm going to talk about in a few minutes, I have a mountain where I, I, can, I can be safe. Or I have a mountain where my faith is going to be right out there, and it's not going to be safe. You know, there's a lot of people that don't really care for me. And that's okay. I, I don't have to be loved by everybody. I'm loved by Jesus Christ. He's the one that matters. He's the one that matters. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wills of the, the wiles of the devil. 
the old armor, and we'll talk about that in a minute. For, the, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. What's telling us that? We wrestle against what? Satan, the demons themselves. That's who we wrestle against when we go out. That's who we're against. Quit looking at the people. It's not them. There's, they've got, they, they, all they've got, all they've got, all they got is the demons and the, and the principalities of this world. They don't have what you have. They're in the dark. They don't know. The word of God doesn't mean anything to them. It does to you. And so quickly we can turn around and think it's, it's people. It's not the people. We're to love the people, but give them the truth. Amen? I don't love sin. I hate sin. I don't love any part of it. I'm always going to try to stay away from it and, and help people through it. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of, of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. And so if you can read these verses and talk about the armor of God. We'll read a few more in a minute. But you're to take up all of that. So our faith is not always going to be safe because God has given us the tools to protect it. Amen? He's given it to us. So we need to be picking them up, reading what they are, studying what they are, and apply it to our lives. Apply it to our lives. Because Satan's never going to stop. Not until the day he's put into the pits. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with you, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, you learn all that from the Word of God. Amen? You learn how to do those things from here. You're not going to learn them from a psychiatrist. You're not going to learn them from your neighbor. You're going to learn them from here. It's going to be you one-on-one with God. And that's what it's going to take. Safe mountain or faith mountain? Don't explain to God how strong your faith is. Explain to your faith how strong God is. Amen? Because sometimes you can, you'll try to convince your faith, you'll even try to convince God how strong your faith is. And you can just go, God, I'll do anything. And the minute something happens, you run, run, run. The minute something happens in church, out the door as you go. The minute somebody says something bad to you, out the door as you go. How many times you get somebody say something bad to you at work that you don't like? Do you quit work? No. But Christians all every day are hurt by somebody in the church, so out the door they go. My goodness, we're skin-thin people. Get the big boy pants on. Don't explain to God how strong your faith is. Instead, explain to your faith how strong God is. So you've got to to continue to pray and work these things through in your life because the evil is always going to be coming after you. Hebrews 32 and 34, it says, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me. Now listen to this. These are the things I want to go back and read. When my faith is being under attack, I want to go back and I want to read things like this. It it encourages me. I can look in the past how how these men and women in the past Endure, they endured the same things we do. And we can read about it. It says, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jabeth and all of David and Samuel and the prophets. Those guys went through so many things. But their faith, even though it was under attack and it wasn't safe, they kept going. 
They didn't stop because somebody offended them or they became a victim or something like that. They weren't even a victim. They let that stuff go. They looked for the victory in God. I often wonder if we come, if, the, if they come over here, if the Muslims come over here, whoever comes over here and wants to destroy us even more and more, would we, how many of us Christians would even stand if you knew Sunday morning you was going to have to go to church and you were going to have to battle through to get there, to be with the people that love you, to hear the word of God? Would you do it or would you just say, I'll just wait till they leave? I told you in the very beginning, this is the worst time in persecution for the Christians. We here in America are so spoiled, and I don't want to get on I'm spoiled too. I don't know what I would do, but I'm going to keep praying that I do the right things for God. Amen? That I am obedient to my faith. Even though when the faith is not safe, that I'm obedient to it. So the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, and Samson, and David, and Samuel, and all the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became uh, vigilant in battle, turned to fight armies and aliens. That's the people that had faith that wasn't safe. And they kept going. And their name is written down that we can go back and study, read what happened, how they got through it, how they got past it. There's two men I want to look at in the next few weeks. Daniel and Jonah. Both men of God. Now look at these, these two mountains. Both are men of God. They both love God. Daniel was, at a young, Daniel was taken away at a young age. I'm not going to get too involved with it today. But Daniel was taken away at a young age. And both men of God with challenges before them. God gave them both challenges. Both to test their faith. Because their faith was not going to be safe. But yet they had a challenge that God gave them. Because God wanted them to know him more. And the way we get to go know God more is through these things in our lives. Both men of God were challenged before them. Both gave tasks beyond their own abilities. We're given tasks to do beyond their own abilities. This church is a task way beyond my own ability. You've got tasks. God says, if he wants to have you, go talk to somebody. That's a task beyond your own ability. First of all, a lot of you say, I don't know what to say. Well, first of all, is why don't you know what to say? Because you should know what to say. You should know how to do that. You should know how to approach somebody, how to become a friend to somebody, always praying for them, knowing that you, the ultimate powerful goal is to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Church, if we don't give out the gospel, they're not going to get it. That's our call. We got people over in Korea and everywhere else that are dying to give out the gospel. We got people here eating turkey and steaks every day and care less about it. You say, well, don't get on me. I'm not getting on all you guys. I'm just getting on the whole culture, how we don't care anymore. Daniel and Jonah. You see, a lot of us are going to be on this Jonah mountain, the safe mountain. And we got to look at that. But Jonah was saved. I mean, he was, he, as soon as Jesus Christ got, got off that cross, got out of that tomb, Jonah was going to heaven with Daniel. Nobody went to heaven until Jesus came out of that tomb. They were somewhere else. Both men of God would challenge it before them. Both gave tasks beyond their own abilities. One never looked back. Daniel never looked back. And you young people, there's not too many of you here today. I don't care if you're 20, I don't care what age you are. You don't need to look back. Daniel was a boy. He was a boy. Jonah was a full-grown man, a prophet, trained by Elisha. And Daniel's faith 
was much stronger than Jonah's. Jonah was a time before Daniel, a few hundred years before. One never looked back, the other struggled to look forward. He struggled because his faith wasn't safe, and he wanted to be safe. And so when your faith is not safe, if you're not willing to be obedient to that faith, you're going to go the wrong direction with God. And that's exactly what happened. Daniel's over here on one mountaintop at a young age. Jonah's over here prophet trained by Elijah should know it all yet he struggles with the challenge of the, that God had given him and we're going to look at that there's a lot of things with Jonah and Daniel we're going to look at in the next few weeks in the third year and this is Daniel 1 4 and I want you to remember this this is Daniel they have just the whole southern part of Israel Judea, Judea has been just been completely destroyed everybody the king's been hauled off people have killed Everything that your life was is completely gone. Everything. Now, we can't say that here. We can't even dream that here, although it could happen. But everything about his life is completely gone, just like that. They had been warned by the, by the prophets for years, and they paid no attention to it. Just like preachers warn and tell people all the time, and nobody pays any attention to it. And they think, oh, it's never going to happen. It's going to happen. Jesus is coming back. Amen? Say it. Say it. Jesus is coming back. Say it. Come on. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. I'm going to go. I know I'm going to go. I know Vicky's going to go. I know a lot of you are going to go. But I don't want to leave those people behind. I want my loved ones to go. I want them to go. I want every person that steps in front of me. I don't want them to go in hell. If you'll study hell, you don't want your worst enemy there. You just don't. So our faith, the faith that we have and the challenges that God gives us makes who we are. In the third year of the reign of Jochem, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, destroyed it. No, I said before, we can't even hardly fathom that. We think that we live in such a, a, a wonderful country that nothing will ever happen. I'm telling you what. We are so close to this country exploding. What are you going to do when a civil war breaks out? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You think, well, how could this happen? Well, I, we've had the warnings. We've had it all. Just we're not doing what God tells us to do. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hands some of the articles of the house of God. They stripped the temple of God, which he carried into the land of, Sh I can't pronounce that word, Shinar, I guess, to the house of his God, a little g. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashapaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel. This is where it says, everybody say children. Children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom where there was no blemish. In other words, they had to be good-looking, nothing, no diseases or anything like that, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, and had ability to serve in the king's palace. So you went from some of them nobles, you went from having a wonderful life into a life of slavery. Where your faith is not safe. Not at all. And everything you thought you knew, everything you, you believed, everything is just turned upside down. 
So how does these young boys, and actually Daniel and the three other ones, how, how do they maintain? How do they get through this? When you could just say, I'm a victim. I can't deal with God would just have to understand. And I'm just a victim. I can't. This wasn't my fault. Because they had hearts for God. Amen? Everybody said they had hearts for God. They had hearts for God. They weren't, they weren't so concerned with everything going around them. They had hearts for God. Their faith was real faith. It wasn't faith based upon what God did for you or what you want God to do for you. It was real faith. True faith. Young men who were no blemish, good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge to quicken and understand and the ability to serve the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and, lit and literature of the Cardians. We would almost say Kardashians these days, couldn't we? Because that's what everybody learned, isn't it? Take Daniel. If you understand Daniel, Daniel was always going to be in captivity. He was never going to get out. He was going to serve under different kings, different areas, different all kinds of things. But he always kept his faith right where God wanted it. And I want to look at that as the weeks come out, as how Daniel could do that, how Daniel could be on this mountain that is just true faith and not fall, not become the victim even at a young age. But the, his faith over and over and over again, he would say, no, I'm going to do it this way, I'm going to do it this way, I'm going to do it this way. No matter who the king was, no matter what it was, his faith kept him there. He was obedient to his faith always, no matter what it looked like. And I can tell you, things go haywire in your life, and all of a sudden, you, we just think, oh, well, 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 what about the faith? What about, it's just, I don't know about God anymore, everything's just confusing. Everything's just confusing. It's because you're not spending the time in prayer. You're not spending the time with God that you need. Now, something like this with Daniel that comes up, boy, we'll go to our knees real quick, won't we? I mean, boom, have a 9-11, everybody goes to their knees real quick. A few years later, nobody can remember anything about it. So what kind of faith was that? As soon as our faith wasn't safe, things go haywire. Jonah here is a completely... He's an older, he's older, he's not, I don't know his right age, but he's older, older than Daniel. He had prophesied for years. He was telling them that this is the northern part of Israel, the, the south and the north. And this is the northern part. He was telling them that if we don't turn to God, he's going to destroy us. And he would prophesy this, he would be persecuted for it. That's what his message was. He got it from Elisha. That's what his message was. And he kept going around. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, God comes out of here and says, wait a minute. I know what you've been saying, and I'm telling you, that's going to happen. But I want you to do something first. He says, and right here in Jonah 1.3, it goes in like this. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Hamatiah, saying, arise and go to Nineveh. He gave him a particular place to go, Nineveh, where we're at. Uh, go to Nineveh, that great city. It was a great city. What kind of city it was it? Great city. It was also the city that was going to destroy the northern kingdom. 
In a few hundred years or less than a few hundred years, it was going to destroy it, completely wipe it out. So Jonah, he looks at it and says, why would I want to go there? You have told me to prophesy against this, but yet you're sending me there. His faith was challenged to the very core. It doesn't matter where God's sending you. You be obedient to your faith. Amen? Let God deal with the details. Why do I have to know the details? Let God deal with the details. I just know what God is telling me to do and be obedient to the faith. No matter what it looks like, be obedient to the faith that you have of God. He rise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out. I mean, he doesn't want him to go, just go as a, hey, how's everybody doing? <laughs> how you doing? It says cry out. In other words, be passionate. Be passionate about the love you have for God. Because this great city needs it. Amen? It needs it. Now, I can tell you, we can go over to North Korea right now. You cry out, you're going to be dead. This world needs it. Don't you know what the world needs? It's a good crying out about God, doesn't it? It does. It needs for your faith to be ready to go out. So as Jonah's taking this in, He's taking this in. I've got to go to Nineveh? Wait a minute. I thought I was your prophet, your, your great prophet here that's going around telling. You want me to go to Nineveh, the place that I hate? I mean, he hates Nineveh. He wants no part of it. Sometimes God sends us places we don't ever anticipate we're going. Ain't that right? You never thought you'd ever go to this place. But yet God says, go. You say, well, wait a minute. My faith is not safe there. God says, go, you go. If you've got a person you need to talk to, and you're so scared to talk to them, do you not go or do you go? You go. I talked to a young man one time. I didn't know him. He had been drunk, turned his car upside down, rolled down the road in his car. I don't remember his name at all right now. I just remember the situation. And he lived not too far from me, down in Brown County. I knew his mother a little bit. And his mother would say, will you please go and talk to my son? He's a mess. And I'd say, yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. I don't know him. I don't want to go. I guess he's, he's under house arrest now. He's blessed to be alive. And the time would come by, and I'd go past the road. I knew where his house was at, and I'd go right on past the road, and I'd say, yeah, Lord, I know all about that. I'll do that tomorrow. Uh-huh. You know why? Because I didn't want to go. That was going to be knock on the door to somebody you don't know. I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ. I know you're drunk and just about got killed, but I'm here to tell you. That's not, that don't sound like fun, does it? It's difficult. But we are called to do those things. Now, where's my faith? It wasn't about me, but yet I was making it about me. It was about God. It was about what he wanted to do in that young man's life. I didn't need, to, I didn't need the details. I just needed to go. And then sooner or later, about a week or so later, my heart was turned enough upside down, inside out. I said, okay. I turned down the road. It's the middle of the day. I go down the road and knock on the door. He looks at me, he says, I've seen you before. 
I said, yeah, I, okay, I don't know who you are, but I, I know your mom, and your mom asked me to come by here. He says, yeah. He said, I said, he, he said, come on in. I go in, the house is a wreck. Just a broken mess of a life. Death knocking on his door. I go in, I said, you know why I'm here? He says, yeah, I know why you're here. You're here to tell me about God. I guess God had already kind of opened that door, hadn't he? And so for the next long time, I sit down with my Bible open, and I talk to him, and I tell him, just like the, just like the words I read you earlier, I tell him, and I talk to him, I give him the truth, I tell him everything that God has given me to give him, and the answer is what? Not today. I said, man, you're, you're blessed to be alive, and you don't want to accept Jesus Christ? Nah, not today. Not today, but I do appreciate you coming over. So I thought, man, what, what in the world am I doing here? You've got to go back to that verse in 2 Corinthians 2.16 with the aroma of life and death. That was what I was doing there. Now, I want to say that that man got on his knees and accepted the Lord, and he did great, but that's not what happened at all. But that's not the end of the story either. A few years later, I get a phone call. I still don't remember the guy's name. I wish I could remember his name. I think it's Jacob. A few years later, I get a phone call, and it was from a prison guard in the prison, in the jail he's in. See, his life just kept going downhill. See what I mean? I don't know what would happen if he accepted the Lord, but I know what happened because his life just kept rolling downhill. That's what happens with our lives when we don't follow God, when our faith is not right. It just keeps rolling down into the mud, doesn't it? When do you get enough of that stuff? When are you going to get enough of it? So I go, and, and this phone call I get, and he says, this young man wanted me to call you because he talked to you a couple years ago, and we're going to have a baptism in a certain, certain church, and he wants you to be there. <laughs> I don't get that phone. I said, Vic, I said, you remember that guy I wouldn't visit a few years ago? I didn't want to go visit? I think he's getting baptized. Another preacher in the, in the prison reached him. Amen. And God gave me a blessing. And you better guess where I was at. I was at his baptism. Because we don't know the details and we don't need to know them. And sometimes our faith feels really out of place. But we're still to be obedient to our faith. Amen? Now, Jonah had struggled. He never could not get what God wanted him to do. He's a man of God. He's going to be in heaven. I'm going to see him one day. But also after the book of Jonah, you never hear about Jonah ever again. Except when Jesus talks about him, about the being in the belly of the fish for three days. But Jonah arose to flee to tarnish from the water by why they what? The presence of what? So what did Jonah do? He fleed from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to stop there today. That's 3A. We'll get into the rest of it next week, in the next couple of weeks. So you've got Daniel that was a young man that will follow God no matter where it takes him. And Jonah a man of God, a prophet, but his faith wasn't safe, so he wouldn't go. He didn't want to deal with these things. He had a different idea, a different plan than what God had. So he got up, and he went to tarnish. And there's a great lesson in this, but I'm not going to give it to you until next week, about what happens to him. A great lesson about faith. That's next week. 
So I hope that this intrigues you a little bit between the two men. One of, both of them good men of God. But their faith was completely different. Completely different. And you've got to decide, when we get to do this, through this message and start going through these lives, how they apply to you. And some of the, some of the smallest things apply to us that we'll see in these lives. How it applies to you, which mountaintop are you on? Are you on the safe mountain or are you on the faith mountain? Because there's two of them because we see them clearly. Both of them men of God, but we see them clearly. One of them will not face the struggles that God's and the tasks that God's given them. And one takes them and says, amen, let me have them. Let's stand. Come on up, team. Words for the week. go. Faith doesn't need to be safe because it's not safe. In, in a lot of parts of the world, it's not safe. If a Muslim turns to be a Christian, do you know what happens to that Muslim? There's no longer a Muslim, he's a Christian. Do you know what his family will do to them? Kill him. They're definitely not going to Thanksgiving dinner with him. That's out the window. Now, how many of you, when you become a Christian, that some of your family members so what did you do now? They didn't take it seriously. Something was haywire. And all of a sudden, when you really start preaching the gospel, when you want to give it to them, they start distancing themselves from you. See, you've got the persecution that you're living with. You've got that. I've got that. Everybody should have that. I know what it is. They start to push you away because you done got a holy roller. Where's your faith in all that? Are you just going to live with safe faith? Just go along to get along? The world needs you. The community needs you. Your families need you. And what they need for you to be doing is praying for their souls. Praying for their faith to grow strong. This church was built on faith. That's what it is. It's faith. Everything I do, I try to do it by faith. Some people don't understand that, but I do. It's faith. Sometimes it doesn't look very pretty. It's still faith. Sometimes I have not a clue what's going on, but it's still faith. Amen? I'm still getting up. I'm still praying. I'm still studying my Bible. I'm still writing in my journals. My sermons still come that way. I've never change. It's faith. It's faith. I don't want to be on a safe mountain. I want to be on the faith mountain. And thank the Lord I don't have to choose. But you know there's a young girl that got killed back in, everybody know Columbine? Story, well, I think her name was Scott. Or her dad, her last name was Scott. I can't think of her name. Now some of you young people, you don't even remember John Denver, you're not going to remember this. I'm going to tell you this one story and then we'll close. How many of you remember Columbine back in the 90s? Now, this young girl, young girl, emphasize that, young girl. She was a Christian. The guy that held the gun on her head knew she was a Christian. And he said, deny Christ or dead. Guess what? She didn't deny Christ. And guess what? She's dead. You said, well, I can't have me. It happened in Colorado. 
what, we're just a, what, a few hundred miles from there. By the grace of God, it hasn't happened to you. But what will happen in that day? The father of her went on to write a wonderful letter, a wonderful thing to Congress and went and talked in front of Congress about that. And if you don't know what that is, you need to look it up. Just look up, just put in Columbine. I think the last name is Scott. Do you know John? Huh? Rachel Scott. Just punch it. I want you to go home and punch that in and read that. Will you please? Just, I don't know about the movie, but just go home and punch it in and read what happened. Read about the glory of God that this dad went on and was able to speak in front of Congress. God had a plan for Rachel's life. It included her dad's faith. Because I'm telling you, that would be hard. Because you could just say, well, I'm just a victim here. I'm just a victim. Or you can say, I'm not a victim. I'm living in the victory of Christ. Amen? I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but it's not looking good. It's not looking good. And if you think persecution is just over on the other side of the Pacific or the Atlantic, you're, you're, you're being a fool. Our job is to have our faith go out and speak. It's not to save the souls. That's up to God. It's to give the aroma of Christ out. Amen? I've got some, like I said, it's pretty smelling stuff. You need to go home, put on your Bible, and read it. Because the aroma of God is in you. It's called the Holy Spirit. Just like that young man says, ah, I know why you're here. I wasn't there to drink a beer with him. I was there to give him the word of God. Amen? I wasn't there to slap him on the back and say, ha, 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 glad you ain't dead. <laughs> I was giving the only thing I have to give him. The truth. John 14, 6. John Denver turned it down. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's letters in red. That's Jesus Christ speaking. That just clearly says that nobody comes to the Lord, comes to heaven, except through the cross of Christ. Nobody. That's the gospel. You remember that verse and then throw John 3.16 in that with that and fall in love with it, will you? Fall in love with it. Go ahead, please. As I was singing, I'm going to open up the tables.